Hello and welcome to Be a B2B Leader. I'm your host Felician and today my guest is Brian Paul Gibson, the founder of ContentLift, where he helps B2B marketing teams run investigative customer interviews. In this episode, Ryan will share with us what he learned when he was working as a director of operations at a franchise, but we will also learn a few things about customer research, how it impacts our approach to business, and if the way we spend money actually makes sense. The last topic is talking the language of executives. So, a lot of interesting things, and let's get started. Ryan, welcome to the show. I'm pumped to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I hope I'm interesting. I don't know. At the dinner table, my kids and my wife tune out a lot from everything I have to say. So we'll see Are what I can do here. Them? <laughs> no, no, they never really care what I have to say. I usually get the, they don't, they still don't understand what I do, which is very common in, in the marketing world. Yeah, right? That's so, so true. Like, yeah. Uh, almost nobody from my family knows what I do. So. Yeah. So I just say, it's funny, actually, when I niched into helping businesses run customer interviews now it's actually almost easier because i just tell people oh i interview uh the customers of a business they're like oh okay cool like it just makes it's like they can get that part of it so <laughs> they're that it's almost easier now yeah, like you have to simplify it <laughs> yeah exactly so ryan let's start with the first question please tell me what should every b2b marketing leader know about business oh my god <laughs> what a like question one thing <laughs> yeah you know you okay here's one you have almost no control right i think we like, forget that like markets yeah. markets are something that live outside of the company and mm-hmm. you know my father actually took a company public in the 90s New York Stock Exchange did really well, and a whole bunch of external forces just, you know, cut the company off at the knees, and they went from a forty-five million U.S. market cap to almost half that overnight. Right? Look at look at the pandemic. Right? What was the total addressable market of video chat before the pandemic? What was it during? What is it now? So there's all these things that I think we we forget how we almost have no control. Now, if you're a larger business that's, you know, been around 10 years, you know, financials are good, market presence is strong, right? Net retention is good. You probably aren't going anywhere. It's probably just a a question of how big or small you get over time and, and can you stay relevant and innovate. But I think, you know, we forget how much lack of control we have over markets. I don't know if that's really yeah. an answer you're looking for, but that's something I think about all the time is how do I de-risk how much, the lack of control that yeah. I have? And that's an interesting point because, uh, yeah, as marketers, we believe that we can impact everything mm-hmm. and good marketing can drive the business. But like there is demand generation right now, but can you really create demand? Or is it more about educating people and just staying top of mind? Yeah, that's a good question. I, when I look at how do we create demand, I've never liked that term. Um, yeah. But I get why people say that. I've always fallen to the camp of what you just said. The former of what you said is like, how do you just how do you stay top of mind? You know, I started in B two B before the internet, and 
that was trying to stay top of mind was still a priority. How you did that was different. Um, mm-hmm. We have more tools now, but in some ways there's also more, there's just so much more noise now. So it's, although it's easier to get access to people, it's harder to capture their attention. So, you know, you have to think, you have to figure out and reverse engineer. Okay. If someone takes months or even years to buy, because we can get into that, but I've, I've spoken to buyers who've been aware of solutions they wanted for years and hadn't bought yet. Well, why is that? So you have to sort of reverse engineer. Okay. Well, if they are aware of me, how do I keep stay in front of them and be helpful and relevant until you know, they're ready to buy or how can I inch them forward more and influence their decision-making factors? Because maybe, maybe the budget that my solution is going to come out of is actually a budget for other types of solutions that I don't compete with. So how can I help them prioritize my solution over something else totally different they're looking at in the business? Because that's sometimes what happens. Think of a marketing budget, right? For you and I, you know, a marketing budget, you don't have like the CRM budget and then the like a social media tool budget. It's just the marketing budget. And they have to prioritize what's more relevant to the business at the time. So, you know, how can I help them see that we are actually a better solution for them at their point of growth, right? So there's all these things I want to think of. So, yeah, Yeah. I I don't like create demand. I like, you know, how do I educate and influence um, so they can, they have a sense that I'm um, worth their budget and time. That's sort of how I look at things. I think it's kind of marketing 101. Like, you can't influence everything, but I think that as marketers, we live kind of in the marketing bubble. Maybe not all of us. Mm-hmm. But many for sure, and yeah, we don't look at business the same way a CEO does, or as even a small business owner. Like we are marketers, we look at the campaigns, we look at driving the traffic, yeah. But we somehow forget the business in it. So you've been a director of operations, mm-hmm. and is there any advice you would give? marketers so they can approach the business yeah approach marketing with a business mindset yeah i mean i'm an outlier i find because i came up i I studied commerce out of high school i like you said came to the operations business development sales side and then they just sort of threw me the marketing hat yeah and i loved marketing which is why i sort of (laughs) went into it right because like this is great you know, I was the operations side was fine, but it was never really where my, my passion was. Mm-hmm. But I always had a, I always have a very b- business mindset. Remember, it's B to B, business to business. So you have to sort of filter everything through that, that mindset. And first off is I think um, marketers need to understand the basics of just how to read a financial statement. Like how does cash flow calculated? How does the business actually make money? What are, how are margins calculated? Things like that. Like, where does the money, like how much money are we comfortable spending, right? So that's sort of the first thing. And then I think the second thing is talking to executives and working across the organization about what people want to see. Now, I, I can't 
count the number. Of, and I, I'm going to be what I'm going to the example I'm going to give you of is stuff I've been guilty of. So, you know, sitting in some type of quarterly review or annual review, weekly meeting, and you're just showing a list of tactics that you've done. Mm-hmm. You're like, look how busy we were. <laughs> Great. And maybe that <laughs> stuff was really important to be busy, but they don't have the domain expertise that you have. It's almost like a coder showing you all their lines of code and saying, look, <laughs> look at all this. And you're like, I don't know what that means. Right. Like it, you can't expect them to to have that the depth of understanding that you have. So you have to connect the dots of why these things are important. What were the outcomes? What were the actual business outcomes? Okay. And I'm not other marketing leaders talk about this stuff, right? Um, and I'm sure you do too. Where it's like you focus on, okay, here was a quality amount of let's just say leads or pipeline, whatever terminology you use. It's all sort of the same thing. It's just, you know, a pool of potential buyers, right? How did you show, how did you get them to turn towards you? How did you influence them? And what was the outcome? And if your line is going up to the right, at whatever rate of growth you think is acceptable, um, that you're okay with, then, you know, you're probably in the right track. Now that I'm very, I'm simplifying it dramatically there. But to me, that's executives want to talk in outcomes and like, how are we moving revenue? Now, what, how that looks like in a business and how you talk about that is up to you to figure out, but you have to work across the organization to figure out like what people want to see, Mm -hmm. right? What's working, what's not. And I've always, that's the one thing I've, I've done is I think always throughout my career is, especially when I ran marketing teams, I was talking to director of sales every day. Yeah, I was going to ask how you learn those things. Every day, Cause... just talk to them. Yeah, I mean, part of it was me, how I how I came up, right? Where I was in charge of having to sell businesses to other people in the franchise system, right? So I was always mm-hmm. tightly knit with our um, sales executives in the field and our area managers and directors. So it was just sort of second nature to me. But once I started doing it more in B2B and software, you there's you can see the difference in the impact of the work when you're you don't always have to agree on everything and with your colleagues and sales and customer success but you need to talk to each other to get some to some sense of uh, alignment right or like what you believe to be yeah. true and what actions you should be taking and what's moving the needle and what's not so that's i've always sort of done it but i think um most a lot of marketers don't do that for a whole bunch of reasons. And I think if they can get out from behind their desk or laptop and start talking to their colleagues, it's going to make all the difference. I don't know if that answers the question in the way you were thinking. Yeah, it answers, but it brings up another question. Like, what if the marketer, the director of marketing, let's say, takes that proactive approach and wants to talk with others, Mm -hmm. but yeah, they don't really care about him or her because they don't see marketing impacting the whole business. Well, yeah, you have to start it. I think you have to start the conversations from a position of curiosity and trying to understand what they need. They want to get done. I think, again, one of the mistakes I've made is coming at it from a sense of why I think what I do is important. Rather than trying to understand, how do you need help? How can Mm -hmm. I help you? Tell me about your world. What are the challenges you're facing? 
that's how I'd always start every conversation. Like when I, I've joined an organization to run marketing, my first, you know, people talk about like, what do you do in the first 90 days? Right. And everyone sort mm -hmm. of has their own hot take. Um, for me, it was always meeting with everyone after I met the marketing team and figured out, you know, okay, what is my mandate for the next year? Then I'd meet with my colleagues in the various departments. Tell me about what you do. What are your challenges? How can I help you? And you just listen. And that starts it. And because it takes time to earn people's trust, um, especially you might have a, a super long, successful resume. That's great, but they still never worked with you. Exactly. Or maybe they haven't, they're not, they've had bad experiences, like you said, you know, with yeah. other people in that discipline marketing. Yeah. So you have seen to... that too many times that yeah, people yeah. had previously a bad experience and now they, yeah, they just want to work alone because they yeah. know that alone they will deliver the results and they don't need Absolutely. Help. So it's, you know, you have to, you have to get, I think, to a sense of understanding that they have expertise that can help you. And you should be helping them because it's everyone's on the same team, right? Um, one of my old uh, mentors is called um, team revenue, <laughs> right? At the intersection of product, sales, customer success, and marketing, right? Because at the end of the day, all the customer customers are everyone's customer in a business, right? And you need to work together to want to help them. So that's how I always started. It's, it's baby steps, right? And it might not always go your way in the beginning, but you can gradually get to a point where there's reciprocity and there's trust and, you know, you can work together on things. And I've always strived for that in my career. Yeah. And it sometimes takes more time than we anticipate because, yeah, we always want to do things fast. Like you said, let's say the first 90 days, what do you do? How many people you talk to? Yeah. You outline the strategy and stuff like that. But Sometimes you have to take into account that it won't be done in three months or six months. You will have to have that whole year to gain the trust of other peers. Yeah, and absolutely. Convince them that yeah, you're there to help them and together you will go into the right direction. But because you're also spending like when you think of a marketing budget, marketing budgets also are sometimes the biggest one in an organization. Because you have your headcount and let's everyone, different companies spend different amounts on marketing. Some will spend 10, some will spend 20, depending on where they are in their growth and what they, what they think the market opportunity is. But let's just say it's 20. Sometimes 20 is just, you know, um, headcount. And then there's an, a discretion, there's an additional discretionary budget to spend on other things. But let's just say you're spending 20% of the company's money. That's a lot. Yeah. And you you every percentage you get is a percentage that another team does not get. Yeah. There's only so much money to go around. So I mean those are all <laughs> things that I think marketers forget sometimes or or they just haven't had to think about. And I think if you start thinking in those ways as a business leader, you know, how can I actually spend my our capital wisely and how do I how do I uh, de-risk what I'm going to spend here and ensure that I get Good results with it like that's a different mindset shift that i think marketers aren't accustomed to in b2b love it but ryan like we forget about the risking such stuff but yeah. we also forget about customer interviews like <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, i know that's the truth 
it's sad but true. So yeah, how can customer research impact our approach to business? Oh man, you know a business. I one of the things I this is not my line. Other people have said this, but a business is a bet, right? <laughs> That's all it is. It's a strategic bet in a market. You you believe that you can in, generate revenue and increase the value of X assets, whatever they are, over the course of so many years by selling this to this X product to Y market. Mm-hmm. It's a roll of the dice. So like, but if, so if you don't understand who the market is and how and why they buy and the problems they're trying to solve and the value you can bring, you're going to have a really hard time spending mark- money on marketing effectively. Because I always say like marketing is how you influence a market. It's not the arts mm-hmm. and craft department, you know. It is in some ways because, <laughs> some way. yeah, like like how you, your belief on the strategy you're going to use in your go to market functions, all design and digital marketing to use like now an older term, but it's still relevant in some ways. You know, design, digital marketing, copywriting, all that stuff that we look at as tactical parts of marketing. Just sir, it's just a dependency on serving that go-to-market strategy, right? And you can do different things in your go-to-market strategy to try and win and compete. So, you know, customer research helps you make better choices around how you spend money on those marketing strategies and activities. Otherwise, you're just throwing darts, you know, in the dark. And that's the best way to lose, fastest and best way to lose money. You're going to burn your, especially if you raised something, if you did a series A, series B, you're going to burn your runway pretty fast if you don't know what choices you should be making. That, yeah. To me, that's what how customer research really makes a difference. Yeah. But who should make that? Yeah. Who should conduct customer research? Should it, should it be marketing or should it better be the CEO or someone yeah. from management so they better understand the whole market? So when I get that question, I say, I think... I think everyone should really to some extent. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that is you will have the best chance at getting insights from buyers or customers for the things that directly impact your work. So if I'm a product person, you know, I should be talking to users about how they use the product and what mm-hmm. makes sense and what doesn't and, and where they're getting stuck and all those things, right? Customer success should be too, because then they can take that, those insights and directly impact their work. Marketing is a funny one because, mm-hmm. or I find it interesting in my experience working with software and B2B companies over the last you know seven, eight years, marketing is held at an arm's length from the customer in many, in many organizations. You know, nine times out of ten. You see, even that's what I'm asking this question. <laughs> yeah, even though marketing is about influencing the market, the yep. people who are going to buy your thing, and buyers don't make decisions in B two B on a lark. Like they'll just wake up. And, I'm going to buy HubSpot today. Like that. This doesn't happen. What they do is they gradually arrive to a decision over the course of time as you know things within the business push them towards wanting to solve a problem sometimes you call them triggers catalysts what have you right and they can happen like i said weeks months or years before you decide to buy a product so as a marketer 
I'm tasked with influencing that entire journey before they get to a sales conversation or an install. And every company is different in like, you know, what that sales, that high intent sales process looks like. Sometimes it's high touch for an enterprise or mid-market. Sometimes it's just a self-install thing, um, you know, for a small SaaS company, whatever it is, there's still a, a point that ha there's all these things that happen before that. So getting back to like affecting your work, how can I, as a marketer, be expected to influence that journey if I don't understand what's going on? And one of the things they tell you is, well, listen to sales calls, go on the internet. Sure, all that stuff's good. But usually that's, the, that's where high intent is happening in some regards, mm -hmm. right? But what's happening when they're making those decisions months or weeks before? I still have to influence that. So what's relevant there? What do they care about? How can I stay top of mind to what we talked about earlier in yeah. that setting? Marketers need are the best people to go and, and uncover and understand and unlock insights into what they can do there. Because salespeople or customer success, they're, they're smart people. They're really good at their job, but they're not going to ask all the questions that you as a marketer would ask that would then impact your work directly. So I hope that answers the question, but that like that's... That's why I think marketers need to do their own research. And they have for decades. You go to B2C, guess who's doing all the customer their research? Yeah. Marketing people. Exactly. But, and, uh, you know, in B2B, it's a bit different. It is a bit different. Some, yeah. Sometimes it's even difficult to get those customers for interviews. It but is, yes. Let's say you get them on an interview somehow. What would you say? What are the three questions we have to ask our clients? Yeah. I mean, I ask more than three. <laughs> yeah. But let's say you have only five minutes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think what you, I look at it as what are the things you want to know high level, right? So I don't mm -hmm. even think of it as questions. I have questions listed out. But usually there's like specific topics that I want to understand. And for me, um, you know, as someone who focuses on buying discovery or marketing research, whatever term you want to use, I really want to focus on what was happening in the business that made you seek out a solution? And why does that problem exist in the first place? Those are two key things to understand. You know, what triggered you to go and start, not buy a solution, start looking for a solution? Because that's different. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes when I start looking to when I purchase, it's very quick. Sometimes, like I said, it's months. But I want to know what were those things like what was happening in your world that you're going, oh, this sucks. I want to spend money to fix this because this is annoying. Mm -hmm. And then why does that problem exist in the first place in your business? Because then you understand a bit about their world and how you're adding value to them. Because as a marketer, I need to get in front of them and give them things that help them in their business before they're ready to buy, because that's what keeps me top of mind. So those are the two, those are really two things. And the third is, you know, I would focus on is like how they buy. Like, how do they make decisions about products? What is the process okay. for that? Right. Uh, and we do that a bit sometimes in sales conversations. You know, what other vendors are you looking at? Who are you talking to? And they'll maybe give you the truth. But if I am in a marketing conversation where there's no expectation of a sale, and I say, so when you look and I ask a question like, 
think about a tool like ours uh, or other similar tools. Walk me through how your company evaluates that type of tool. And let's start at the beginning. Like what, what's the first thing you look at? And you start there. And the interface. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe. Who knows? Like it could be, we yeah. want to understand may, a lot of the times I get when I ask questions about like, why did you buy? Um, one of the top answers is, oh, I trusted the team because they looked credible. I trusted you because you look credible. Right? That's a big one. Yeah, that's a huge one. So, you know, how do you build credibility? Right? If that, if you talk to 12 people and six say, give some, some type of answer that, oh, I need, I want you to be, I look for credibility. Either they say that directly or they say that in subtext. How, then that's probably an important thing to have in your marketing and sales. So how do you do that? You can, so how do you look for credibility? What does that mean? Like, what are the things you're looking for? And they'll tell you. Yeah. And then you can build that into your marketing, right? So, yeah. I mean, it's not rocket science. It's just a process. And it, it's the work of getting those answers from people. Yeah. Like, when you have those answers, you can enable the buyer along their journey. Like, it's that simple. But if you are guessing, then you will never know what content to create. Yeah. But and and it. it it blows my mind because we, you'll see people talk about you know, testing things and marketing, what you should do. But how are you setting the parameters around testing? How do you even know what to try? Are the, you, you are just guessing if, you're, if you have no set of parameters that you've established around what pe- what's relevant yeah. to your target market, your target audience. So interviewing stuff, uh, interviewing people gets you the stuff you need. The thing you mentioned before that, yeah. You can listen to sales calls, to customer success calls, and get some insights. Like It will never be the same because, as you said, when talking with marketing, it's different because people feel that they won't be pitched at. You won't sell, yeah, upsell them services or anything. Mm-hmm. But do you think that when a marketing approaches those calls, they should mention that, yeah, I want to learn a bit more about you and how we can help you as a company a bit more? Or should you just say that you want to learn a bit more about yeah their company or whatever? I think it's you can structure it any way. I, I think you want to be honest about why you're reaching out. When mm-hmm. I reach out, you know, I phrase it as such. Say you know the subject line is very much. Can we have a quick chat about your business? Or we're conducting a research project. Can we have a, a chat? And most of the time, we're going to our existing customer base. So in theory, they should have some sense of familiarity. It's not always the case. If you have a, if you have a small pool of customers with high touch points, like there's a lot of um, the relationships between you and the, your customers, you know, there's a lot of um, reciprocity or you know, you're frequently talking, mm-hmm. the odds of getting someone are higher. If you're a SaaS company with like 10,000 customers and you're a, a widget that sits within a widget that's embedded in a thing, yeah. that's going to be harder to get that person. Regardless, um, you still want to structure it as, I just want to have a research conversation. And then it's really about how I phrase it next is, I want to understand about you and your challenges. This will help us improve our business and hopefully your experience. Um, and uh 
you know, anything we will be recording the conversation, but anything we say will just be used in that context, like that sort of thing. Yeah. It's really what you want to show is like, we're not trying to sell anything. Yeah. I'm just trying to understand. Right. Yeah. And the good news is most people want to help. Uh, and most yeah. what's an, an interesting thing is when I've talked, when I do this work, some people are actually very impressed that this has happened. Like this is actually going on. Really? Yeah. They say no like, business ever reaches out for my feedback about anything. Ooh. <laughs> I know. That's interesting. Yeah. It doesn't happen all the time, but it happens on occasion, right? And it just tells you some stuff, right? Where if you are, have a, a, a hyper focus on your customers and the things they care about and what's relevant to them, it makes all the world a difference, right? When I did that case study, when I did that work with Rewind, yeah. we found 27 content opportunities along that were relevant to them about how they make decisions in their business and how they made decisions towards that product. Like that's why research and talking to customers is vital because now I'm not just guessing and now I'm not just giving things that I think are relevant, that I think are important. I've mapped out 27 topics and themes and things that are relevant to this buyer or mm -hmm. set sample set of buyers that I've spoken to because it's still qualitative research. And now yeah. I can use that to invest in rather than just like, gee, I wonder what's an HREF's or SEMrush. <laughs> I'll just go search that and see if something pops up for like a thousand searches a month. I mean, that you can do that. Yeah, it's a harder, that's a harder success rate. It's a harder win rate. So yeah, yeah I mean, it's, you, you have to be focused on what customers care about and what's relevant to them. Otherwise, yeah. it's going to be really tough to make your marketing work. Thanks to those interviews, you will understand if you're spending yeah, money effectively or not. I want to ask you, because let's say you have a very small customer base. Let's say your total addressable market are 100 companies in the whole world. And yeah, right now... 10 of them are your clients. Okay. So how can you, yeah, how can you interview the rest to, yeah, to learn about the things they care about? Because, yeah, every company is a bit different. Yeah. And it's hard to get those people for interviews. The people who aren't your customers? Yeah. Yeah, it is tough. Absolutely. Because part of it is because of what I said. They're expecting solicitation. Yeah. Another part of it is people are busy, right? Even for people who say yes to me for customer research, market research, sometimes it takes three or four emails to get them booked because they want to help, but they're just busy. They got, I am not high on their priority list. They have a lot of other things, personal and professional to worry about. But to your question, there's a lot of ways you can do it. So um, one is if you have a presence in the industry or, you know, some subject matter experts or an executive team that is well-connected, has a big network. You can maybe reach out to some people they know that aren't customers, but they have some type of relationship with. Um, there might be networking groups or private groups or some type of, you know, even events where you can strike up relate conversations with people to maybe arrange something to say, and it's the same approach that I outlined earlier. We're just trying to understand, not trying to sell you anything. 
I'm looking to solve, I'm looking to understand these types of problems in your business. Mm -hmm. Solution agnostic. I just want to understand more about you and those challenges. So you can do that. Sometimes you can go to places like G2 or Trustpilot, um, online review sites, because it's really interesting about those sites. Some people who have left reviews for either for software that is adjacent to yours or your competitors or solutions, I should say, mm-hmm. they um, tick a box and they make publicly available their LinkedIn profile, some contact information, because they wa- they actually want you to reach out and ask them questions about, um, mm-hmm. you know, their about their problems. You know, um, if there's any influencers in your market, you can maybe reach out to them. And there's also paid panel services, right? So I'm running yeah. one right now with a comp- um, with a service called User Interviews. And what that is, is you just pay for access to people that fit certain firmographics and psychographics. So, you know, I want to talk to um, CIOs, chief information officers, this size of company with this annual revenue, with these skill sets. And then I've set up a pre-screen interview um, to, you know, filter even further who I want to talk to. Because with user interviews, what happens is they have thousands and thousands of professionals who have just applied to be in their panels and for payment, whatever it is that you're going to compensate this person for their time, they will agree to an hour conversation about whatever it is you want to talk to them about, right? So I'm doing that now. And I got so far, I've only, it's only been around three days and I have four, about four people that fit um, all the criteria we're looking for after three oh, days that we cool. want to talk to us. Yeah. So, I mean, but, go ahead. Yeah. Cause uh, yeah, the people that I want to interview, they are extremely hard to reach. And I was thinking about something like going to a conference where they will be at, yep. take a microphone, gather their insights, like Absolutely. a short interview. Absolutely. Just, like I'm, I'm just, I'm talking about like a really yeah. like in-depth setting. Mm-hmm. I've done that though. You know, I've gone around to an event, got a microphone, you know, and, and we ask people about their business and some of the challenges they're facing around X, right? And then you can just highlight their business in your, you can say, we can put, give me your pitch and we'll put it up or I don't know, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. But it's just, you can ask one of those key questions, like, what is when it comes to you know this type of problem you know why is what's the biggest challenge you're facing with it maybe i'm i'm just sort of riffing there but that's one question in 2 minutes ask 10 people you probably get some really good insights yeah for people that are hard to access like you said awesome ryan this was awesome like i learned a ton <laughs> in just half an hour that's great so- ah. Please tell the audience where they can find you and how can you help them? Yeah. So uh, I'm on LinkedIn a a lot. You'll see me post there probably way too much. Um, If you type in Ryan Paul Gibson into LinkedIn, I'll probably be the first person that comes up. I have a website. Uh, I have a a business called contentlift.io and we help B2B marketing teams run well, I call qualitative customer research, but it's customer interviews and getting feedback and insights out of that. And um, I'm launching 
a sort of a DIY do-it-yourself guide um, this week. And by the time, I guess, you get this published, <laughs> it'll probably be live. Um, it's just another way that if people are interested in learning more about how to, you know, conduct this type of work to inform decisions they want to make about their business, it's a, it's sort of my process laid out. Um, because I, I, I'm a firm believer that this stuff makes all the difference in the world because I've seen marketers walk away from customer interviews when they've even had access a 45 minute conversation and they're really excited. They just got to talk to a customer and they have like four sentences, four lines of data scribbled out on a piece of paper and like, look at everything I got. And I'm like, Oh, there's so much more you could have got. Right. So I can help you navigate like all the stuff you can get. So, and it just, it, it makes such a difference in how you approach marketing and how much, how you spend on marketing. Yeah. That's awesome. Like really understanding your customer better is the best investment you can make as a marketer, basically. Oh, Absolutely. A thousand percent. Thank you very much for today. Hey, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm glad I get to talk to someone. Like I said, my kids and my wife just sort of (laughs) chew me out. So it's great. Thank you for listening to this episode of Be a B2B Leader. If you liked this episode, make sure to leave a review in your favorite podcast app. Also, if there is something you would like to learn, let me know. After all, we are building a knowledge base for B2B.